0: People are going to the doctor less than they used to. It's true. In the last five years alone, doctors have reported an 18% decline in doctor visits from their patients. The reasons cited, according to statistics, are twofold. One is the rise of these 24-hour urgent care clinics that a lot of people just go to instead of going to their doctor. But the second one is online resources. Google, why go to the authority in the white coat and set up an appointment and pay him all kinds of money when you can just Google your symptoms? In fact, uh, doctors are reporting that the clients who still are coming for doctor visits, they usually arrive already with a self-diagnosis and a recommendation for what prescription the doctor ought to prescribe to them. We don't go to the doctor unless we know we need one. And we don't go to Jesus unless we know we need him. Today we begin our new sermon series during the season of Lent. It's called Meals with Jesus. And in this first meal, we see some people gathered around the table with Jesus at his invitation. And we learn in this story the one thing that qualifies us to be at the table with Jesus. The one thing that gets us invited to the table of Jesus Christ. So let's go through the story to find out what that one thing is. It begins in verse 13. If you've put your Bible away, I encourage you to open it up again. We're going to feast on the Word of God this morning. Before lunch, let's feast on the everlasting Word. Mark 2 Beginning with the 13th verse, we'll just go through them again, although Carol just read them for us. Let's dive into these words. Jesus went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. Oftentimes, it's right here that the preacher points out the words, follow me, and the whole rest of the sermon is about us rising up from wherever we are and following Jesus. That's an important thing to focus on, and that's why lots of preachers have done it over the centuries, but there's a phrase before follow me that I want us to spend a little bit of time on today. In the same verse, earlier in the verse, there's these three words that I just can't get over. And it says, he saw Levi. He saw Levi. If you watched the Lenten videos this week, you saw that I was thinking about it even as we studied the text in small groups. I'm still thinking about it today. Jesus saw Levi. I want us in our mind's eye to see Levi this morning. And I want us to begin by seeing Levi through the eyes of the fishermen. This story takes place in a little village called Capernaum. Some of you have been there on our church Israel trips. It's on the Sea of Galilee, on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum was a fishing village. I see you, Augie, I've been there with you. Capernaum is a lovely town. And uh, the people, would they would fish all day and they would bring in their fish into Capernaum and they would... Feed their families. This was the major commerce of Capernaum. So I want you to see Levi now in this tax booth on the beach in Capernaum through the eyes of the fishermen. Picture yourself as a fisherman in Capernaum. You've spent the whole day fishing. Maybe your fingers are raw from pulling in the nets and touching the scales of the fish. You've hauled in a certain amount of fish and you want to bring them to shore and maybe bring them to your boss so he can count them and pay you and bring some of them home so you can feed your family. But before you can go to your boss or your family, you got to pass Levi in his tax booth. Why is Levi's tax booth on the beach? So you can't get past him without paying your taxes. Now in Jesus time, now in our time, it's a pain to pay your taxes, isn't it? I heard a story this week actually from Heather's dad about one time he got a bill in the mail from the IRS. He had underpaid his taxes by four cents and he called the IRS and he remembers hearing this phrase from the representative, this is a very serious matter. (laughs) Paying our taxes is a pain now, but in Jesus' time it was even worse because the tax collectors on authority from Rome were able to collect the taxes that you owed and anything else they wanted to charge you. That's how tax collectors made their living. They were allowed to add on whatever cushion they wanted to. So here's Levi. Can you see him? Can you see Levi? Through the eyes of the fisherman, you're hauling in your fish. Maybe you're trying to sneak a little bit past him. And he says, not so fast. How many fish you got there? And he'll tax you. You owe me 50 bucks for the tax and an extra 10 because I need a new coat or whatever. When I see Levi through the eyes of the fisherman, I'll be honest with you, I don't like this guy. I resent this man. I even have reason to condemn him for his unjust ways. Do you remember Bernie Madoff? Yeah. If for some reason you lived under a rock about 10 years ago and You didn't know who Bernie Madoff is. I'll just explain. He, during the midst of the big financial crisis, I know we all remember that, when the markets were crashing and all that, this headline came out one day about a man who was running a Ponzi scheme to the tune of something like $50 billion, I think I remember that, an absurd amount of money that he was basically ripping off from people. Totally horrible thing to do. And I remember the next day in the New York Times, there was a photograph of Bernie Madoff on the front cover. Maybe you remember this picture. He's walking down Lexington Avenue. He's got a baseball cap on. I think he's got a couple bodyguards or lawyers or somebody around him. I remember seeing that picture and the look on Bernie Madoff's face. The look, in a word, was smug. Do you remember this picture? Some of you are nodding your heads. I looked at that picture and I was like, this guy, seriously? He's ripping off all of his clients, and he has that look on his face. Maybe that's how the fishermen felt every day when they saw Levi. This guy, there he is on the shore. Every time I'm just trying to make a living, I'm just trying to get by, I'm just trying to feed my family, and Levi is ripping me off. Can you see him? Now, let's look at him through Jesus' eyes. Here's what I might expect. I might expect Jesus to come from the purity of heaven all the way to this sinful world. I might expect Jesus to come and walk along the Sea of Galilee shore in Capernaum and walk up and stand next to Levi's tax booth and say, Okay, everybody, don't be like Levi. I might expect Jesus to speak truth to power and say, This kind of corruption is what's wrong with this world. Come on, everybody, let's knock over Levi's tax booth and run him out of town. Kind of like Jesus to do that, wouldn't you? What does he do instead? Let's pick up the story in verse, well, let's read 14 again. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And we know from the next verse, which we'll look at in a minute, that he also invited him to dinner that night. You see, when you look at Levi through Jesus' eyes, you see a whole different situation. Jesus was filled not with condemnation for Levi, but with love. Just a few minutes ago in this service when the children were all still here, we were doing the Apostles' Creed and I saw my daughter suddenly pop up on the pew. She was standing on the pew and we made eyes with each other. And I almost burst into tears because my heart was so filled with love for her. When I saw her in that moment, I couldn't wait. She plopped down again. I couldn't wait for her to pop back up so I could see her face. Think about this. When Jesus saw Levi evil, corrupt Levi, ripping people off. When he saw Levi on that shore, he felt the same way that I felt about Eva. He loved him. He didn't condemn him. He said, will you have dinner with me tonight, Levi? Maybe Jesus didn't realize this, but this is a scandal. Jesus' ministry is not going to go very well if he keeps doing things like this. Shouldn't he be speaking truth to power? He's having dinner with Levi. Did you hear? Jesus is in that room over there. He's having dinner with Levi, with Bernie Madoff. The scandal gets worse. Let's pick up the story in verse 15. It's like we get a little view into the house now where Jesus is having dinner with this hated man. Look what it says in verse 15. As he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. I'm just picturing someone in Capernaum kind of perched up outside the house, looking in, talking to their buddies out in the street. You know, like, you're not going to believe this. Levi's in there. Who else is in there? That other tax collector in the town square. You know who else is in there? The other tax collector and this guy. And you know who else is in there? Those sinners. Can you start picturing this table? At the meal with Jesus, all the people that the world condemns, they're invited to the table. The people the world condemns, Jesus invites. Now, I want us to perch up a little bit and try to look in the window and see who's at the meal with Jesus. But let's bring it into contemporary terms, Okay picture somebody right now who has wronged you. I know it's uncomfortable, but just go there for a moment. Picture someone who has wronged you. Or picture somebody in our world that you know is corrupt. Maybe a leader. Somebody who is just easy to condemn. Now look through that window into the place where Jesus is having a meal, the people that he spent all day picking, inviting, choosing, will you have a meal with me? Can we spend time together? Picture the people you just had in your mind at the table with Jesus. Many sinners were at his table. Doesn't Jesus know how scandalous this is? Doesn't he know that you can't build a following by associating yourself with people like that? It's This countercultural. Even today, you know, when I first got to seminary, I remember the first couple of weeks when I was at seminary, there was a hot topic going on. It was one of these, I'm not going to say what it was. It was one of these explosive, divisive topics that everyone was buzzing about in culture. And immediately, two student groups sprung up. One that was from the left-wing perspective and one that was from the right-wing perspective on this particular topic. And I noticed the flyers around seminary campus, one was meeting on Monday night and one was meeting on Tuesday night. And I decided it would be kind of fun to go to both. So I showed up on Monday night and I heard the whole thing from the left-wing perspective and I showed up on Tuesday night, to heard the whole thing from the right-wing perspective and I remember sometime later that week, I think it was, it was, it was Wednesday, I was sitting at a round table in the cafeteria and I was sitting between two people, both of them women, and the woman on my right, she said to me, Nathan, I was so glad to see you there last night. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, it was interesting, yeah. And the person to my left just about fell off her chair. She goes, wait a minute, I thought I saw you on Monday night. And I said, yeah, I was there too. And both of them were very disturbed. They thought I was in their camp, you see. This is usually how it works in culture. We divide ourselves into categories, don't we? And here Jesus has placed himself in the category that nobody else wants to be a part of. See who he brought to his table? We might look in that window at the table with Jesus, at all those people, even the ones we pictured a moment ago, people who have wronged us, people who have hurt us, and we might ask the question why does that person get to sit there? Why does he eat with them? That's exactly what the Pharisees asked in verse 16. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answers the question with a metaphor. He says this in verse 17. When Jesus heard the question, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus invites people to his table who he knows need healing. You see. Now I had you do that exercise a moment ago. I had you picture the people at the table. I had you picture someone who has wronged you. And I wanted you to place that person at the table with Jesus. But I want to give that a little bit of a twist right now. Let me ask you something. Have you ever wronged anyone else? I know I have. Is it possible that in another room somewhere, if somebody said, picture someone who's wronged you, that they might have pictured you? When we go to the table every Sunday, we say, I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by things I've done and things I've left undone. According to the Bible, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, what that means is that we might be invited to the table with Jesus too. And when Jesus comes from heaven to earth and walks into the sea of humanity, not just the sea of Galilee, when he walks into the sea of humanity, he might see us just like he saw Levi. And guess what? He'd have reason to condemn all of us. But through his eyes, he sees us just like he saw Levi, not with condemnation, but with love. It's, it's, a, it's a shift in the spiritual life to realize, I'm a sinner. It's not just those sinners that Jesus invites to his table, and isn't that a scandal? It's a deeper personal scandal to say, I'm one of them. And by his grace, he invites me to his table. You know, when I was growing up, I heard this story, I was taught this story. Jesus ate with sinners, he ate with the outcast, he ate with the condemned. And therefore, little nine-year-old Nathan, you should also go eat with people. You should also go associate with people who are on the margins. And I would go into the school cafeteria and I would look for the lonely kid and I would sit next to him and I would feel very proud of myself that I had done what Jesus had done. And that's a really good thing, actually, for a kid to do. It's a good thing for all of us to do, to be like Jesus in these situations, to associate ourselves with the people the world condemns. But before we get to that kind of spiritual life, we first have to see, I first had to learn, that I'm one of the people invited to his table. I'm one of the sinners. And that equation that I grew up learning about, who am I in the story? Jesus, right? And I went around the world thinking, I'm, I'm just like Jesus. I'm going to go do the things Jesus did. And later in life, I realized, I'm like Levi, I've sinned against God in thought, word, and deed by things I have done, by things I have left undone. When Jesus came from heaven to earth, he saw me not perfect. If Jesus saw me the way I viewed myself, he wouldn't have needed to come because there was already a Jesus. Yeah. No, he saw me like he saw Levi in all of my sin. My, I wasn't a tax collector, but I had self-righteousness and pride and arrogance it was just as ugly to him and to anyone as any other kind of sin. Yet, he doesn't condemn. He loves. And he says, will you spend time with me? Will you come to my table? And that leads us to answer that question I started with. What's the one thing that qualifies us to be at the table with Jesus? It's not our good works. It's not our impressive spirituality. It's not how many church attendance stickers you have. It's not any of those things. It's knowing we need to be there. There's an old hymn. You know I love the old hymns. There's one called Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy, written by a guy named Joseph Hart, no relation. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, bruised and broken by the fall. I love this old hymn. I want to show you a couple of the verses because it speaks to this point. Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you'll never come at all. Go to the next verse. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. That's what qualifies you to be at Jesus' table is to know you need to be there. You know you need a doctor when you're sick. You know you need Jesus when you see your own sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, including everyone in this room. And Jesus comes from heaven to earth, and guess what? He sees you. Just like he saw Levi, he sees you. And he knows all about you. (laughs) anybody who just laughed it shows guilt (laughs) myself included he sees us and he knows all about us even the sins we're hiding from ourselves jesus knows you can't hide that he sees us and what does he do he invites us to his table of grace why because he has the cure He can heal us. That's why we come to the communion table week after week after week, and we're about to go there in just a moment. Pastor Heather is going to lead us there. What do you bring to the table? Your need. Bring your need. Jesus already knows what it is. He sees you. And just like I saw my daughter a few minutes ago, his heart is full of love for you, not condemnation. So come to the table. You're invited. That's the scandal. That even you are invited to come to his table of grace. Let's join him there and receive what he has to offer us. Amen.